Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome to another edition of Mind of My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. I'm Neil McCready. Martin Palomo, as always, of Pinnacle Trust, is uh, with me from uh, Madison. We're not actually in the same place together, but we're together via virtual <laughs> communication, which has become the norm in our society. So, welcome into the show. Uh, I'll, get, we're going to talk about a number of kind of news topics that are out there today uh but first i want to tell you a little bit about clark ford because i'm in the clark ford studios clark ford's in amory mississippi at 662-257-1900 that number call it and ask for my friend Corey clark tell Corey what ford product or any product that you might be looking for he'll give you a ford quote within 15 minutes in business hours and listen even if you're not necessarily looking for a ford that quote is going to do one of two things it's either going to help you a little bit down the road uh with another uh type of a vehicle it's going to make sure that you don't kind of get screwed on a deal it's going to help you understand what the market is right now because the automotive market like a lot of markets is still sort of recovering from lockdown and so supply and demand are different than they would normally be say on february the 25th so uh, you can get a little more advice from him and it just might get you into a clark ford which is what i've done what my family has done we love the product we absolutely love the service People at Clark Ford always say they want to be your car guy. They want to be your truck guy. They'll prove it to you when you make the call. 662-257-1900. And Martin, before we get rolling, tell the people a little bit about Pinnacle Trust and how they can get in touch with you all. Indeed, man. Um, Glad to be back. Uh, I hate we missed last week, man. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I know you and I talked a little bit, and um, we were totally without – I was totally without power for for six days. Uh, So I'm glad to have some normalcy back Again, whatever that means. Yeah, you um, guys got more freezing rain down there than we got. Thank God, we got yeah. we got sleet, but it was not a heavy sleet, and so it didn't it didn't get stuck in the trees and such. It got now it got compacted on the ground really tight, but it didn't it, it didn't the trees didn't get wet and then frozen. The tree the the, the sleet was this uh, hard to explain it. It was it was very very fine like you you couldn't you couldn't make a ball of it 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 would just drift it would just crush off it was kind of like sand and oh. so it was down on the ground and then it froze and then the snow came down on top of that and it froze and so all of we were it was slick now i mean you know we had a we had a it was a winter wonderland but we got lucky up here that there just wasn't the the situation where the trees would you know, bend over to the side. Like my, my brother, Tim lives in Ruston, Louisiana, which is right there on the same path as where you are. Yep. Jackson. And he showed me some pictures of his trees in his yard and, you know, they're bent over to the side and from the, the weight of the ice in them. And we we didn't, we didn't have that. I mean, that's the same with us here was, and that's what, that's what killed us was trees, trees bending and then uh, falling toward lines and power poles that they normally wouldn't even be anywhere close to touching. 
um, in all their circumstances. But man, we actually did have, I had a little bit of fun. I mean, even though being without power for six days really uh, kind of sucked a little bit, we had uh, we had fun during the day. Uh, Gia and I, you know, we went kind of redneck sledding since we're not accustomed to, you know, I don't have just a, a really cool snow sled hanging around the house in Jackson. So we used uh, the boogie boards from, you know, the beach. And uh, we have a couple hills close to us that, that uh, we had a lot of fun, man. I mean, we made the best of the situation, um, but it did suck. I mean, I grilled a lot uh, and I mean, we ha- and we have gas, so I was able to cook warm foods. But I did, probably our listeners don't care to hear this, but I, I did take a couple of bucket baths because my hot water heater, while it's gas, it's a tankless heater and electricity clicks it on. So heated up water and bathed in buckets for uh, for a few days, man. But I'm glad to not have to do that anymore and glad to be back with you. Um, but yeah, let me, uh, I'll dive back into my piece about Pinnacle. Um, man, things are getting, uh, things are getting, uh, you know, kind of, kind of choppy with markets are, are, are fluctuating again. Uh, we're starting to see some news come out of the White House that, um, you know, they're going to try to push through some tax policies, which I know we'll talk about. And I even had before we got on the phone, I mean, before we got on our uh, show, I had a phone call from a client asking, you know, what does he need to do? And, and my answer really was, well, let's just, before we do anything right now, let's, let's hang, let's hang tight and see what, what gets through. And, uh, you know, so I guess what I'm saying is if, you know, if people don't have that resource or you don't have someone you can call to say, what do I need to do? Or how should we change anything? Should we structure things different? Um, give us a call 601-957-0323. Uh, you know, it doesn't cost any money to have a conversation for sure. And uh, if we can be of service, we'll, we'll do our best. And if we can't be of service, we'll, we'll you know, certainly tell you that's not something that we can help folks with. Um, we're easy to reach through email as well. You can email us at info at PINNtrust.com or, uh, or, or turn to social media and uh, ping us at, you know, at, uh, at, on Facebook or, or ping us on, um, on Instagram or Twitter and we'll, we'll respond back to you pretty quickly. So a lot of things to get to. We only have about 30 minutes, so let's dive in. Um, the first thing is, is the news out of the state legislature this week. Um, I, I don't want to overstate it because I'm not sure exactly where it stands in terms of the, the proposal becoming law and whatnot, but uh, seems to be headed towards uh, no income tax for people make, people's first $50,000, basically. And then uh, for, state of, for state of Mississippi, you're talking about for state of Mississippi. Yeah. Okay. And yep. so if you make less than $50,000, there's no income tax. If you make $52,000, you're only taxed on $2,000 is what is that? Am, am I interpreting that correctly? What does that mean for the economy moving forward once that uh, comes to fruition? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, let's just talk about the local economy and then we'll, and then we'll talk about the national um, kind of tax policy changes that are proposed as well. Uh, you know, for state of Mississippi, the one thing that I, I think I know about politicians is, um, you know, it's just like with the IRAs, you know, your investment, your retirement accounts, you can invest individually. You know, it is kind of a smoke and mirror that you get a benefit today and, you know, that you get a reduction of, of, of taxes or you don't, you get to reduce your income for the amount of contributions you put in. Um, and the exchange for that is, uh, you know, you don't pay income taxes on it while it's growing, but you pay taxes when you pull it out on a regular IRA. So there's a benefit on the front end, which is you get a reduction of taxes you owe, 
the on the back end you end up having to pay the taxes. So I don't know if they actually do you a favor other than let you create uh, a, a larger snowball that they get to uh, tax a larger amount on in the future. But for the state of Mississippi, um, you know, if they if that does pass and there is uh, no income tax on the first fifty thousand, you know, essentially that gives more people more money in their pockets, which in turn will be good for local economy because it'll uh, it'll incentivize them to you know they'll have more money in their bank account to spend. Now, what I've seen, and I may be wrong on this. Neil, and you can certainly correct me if I am. I saw that there was uh, the talk of increasing the sales tax. Uh, you know, right now Mississippi currently is a seven percent. I don't know if it's going to you know would go to eight or nine. So I think the idea is the the state legislature would say, hey, we're going to forego this income tax collection, but we'll get it when you spend it because most people will. You know, most people if they have extra money in their pocket, they may save some of it. And they're going to spend some of it, which is good for the economy. That's how the economy rocks and rolls. So all in all, not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, you see it in Florida, uh, Texas, Tennessee. They don't have state income tax, but they're, you know, their taxes in other places may be a little higher, whether it's, you know, their real estate tax or, uh, you know, or, or sales tax. The, they make it up. The government makes it up somewhere. Um, and I'm not, I'm not 100% positive on the state of Mississippi's where, you know, where that will go. But uh, it certainly wouldn't be a bad thing um, for getting people incentivized to spend a little more. Probably wouldn't be a bad thing for getting people incentivized to look at Mississippi as a place to move business too, right? Well, yeah, man. But then also, if you look at Mississippi relative to the rest of the country, um, and, and there was a, there was, I don't, I can't remember if it was a Bloomberg or a Forbes article or, or it may be some other, you know, national outlet that did a study on, you know, if you had a million dollars in retirement, where does your million dollars stretch the most? And Mississippi was number one in that. So it's, you get the best bang for your buck. You know, we have relatively low cost of real estate, you know, relatively low taxes. Um, you know, and, and if you're retired, probably means you don't necessarily have kids you're putting through schools. Um, you know, so you have, you get a pretty good, pretty good bang for your buck retiring in Mississippi. Yeah, I would think, you know, I've, I've seen some people make comments along the lines of, you know, why would you, why would you be jobs that are, you know, pay in, uh, below $50,000. And the truth is you sometimes have to grow your, your uh, labor force before you can attract the kind of jobs uh, that, you know, before you can attract more jobs to your, it's, it's a chicken and egg argument, I know, but. It's one of those things where if, if you incentivize, like, this, look, there's a lot of people that move to Texas, that move to Florida because there is no yeah. state income tax. And I mean, dude, you've seen the huge flight from California and New York, New Jersey to Texas and Florida, especially during COVID. So. Yeah. Um, the other thing, is there anything else you want to go into that? Well, I mean, I think you're, I'll, I'll, I'll go just short down the rabbit trail. Um, I won't go long. One of the things, we get a bad rep for, for everything, but. And I say everything, that sounds totally dramatic. For a lot of things, we have a bad reputation. Um, one of the things that our, man, our Mississippi Economic Development Teams or that agency um, has, has done a great job at attracting, um, you know, companies to invest here that makes sense for the workforce that we have. Now, I realize that we are not going to attract, you know, an Apple 
um, you know, or a Microsoft to have tech engineers, you know, in the state of Mississippi. But our workforce is very, we're hardworking people, man. We are, we are generally a, a pretty blue collar state for the most part. So, you know, you've seen, you know, Continental Tire has their, um, you know, their facility that's online, you know, in Jackson. And I know in like the Golden Triangle area in North Mississippi is probably one of the best, you know, and I know there was even a Harvard business study done on it, one of the best incubation sites in the whole country for manufacturing. Um, you know, and our, our economic council looked and said, hey, let's be honest about our workforce and where can we benefit the most and let's go out and try to get those type of businesses here to Mississippi. Um, so I think you're right, man. It is, uh, you, you've got to grow it. And then, you know, I'm not trying to be filled to dreams. You know, if you build it, they'll come. But man, I think our, our kudos to our state government and, and the agencies, the economic development agencies to, to recognize that and exploit it. Um, I've seen some talk among people. We'll kind of jump around. We can always go back to that. Um, but I, I do want sure. to touch on some of these things. I've seen some talk, uh, from people about interest rates. There's a lot of like where I am in Oxford, the, the real estate market's just booming right now. You put a house on the market, it's gone quick. Uh, people are, are selling homes that, that they bought a year ago, fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 more today than they were, than, than they paid for them a year ago. It's, it's kind of a remarkable market, but interest rates, it appears seems to be about to head back up a little bit to the pre pandemic, um, rates what do you what do you make of that and and you know what do you what do you sort of what does that mean for the the average consumer yeah uh let's talk about the positives in that first and then we'll talk about the you know the cons on the other side of this um so what what's happening right now is is actually what it's it's called the it's a steepening of our yield curve i'm going to i'm going to take that technical term and i'm going to i'm going to unwrap the layers of the onions there so when people hear you know like our fed is anchoring interest rates at zero, that doesn't, that's the short end of the yield curve. So the yield curve is, 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 uh, if you kind of think about the, the horizontal part of the yield curve, it's starts all the way at the left at zero, which is a super short turn rates. And then those have the interest rate on a two year treasury bond. And then, you know, a five year and a 10 year, and then, you know, maybe a 15 and then a 30 all the way out to the right. So I'm just trying to help people visualize how this thing is laid out. So if um, interest rates are at zero on the very left and interest rates for the 10 year, which is kind of in the middle, if zero is still anchored because the Fed even, you know, recently just came out and said, hey, we're still we are going to be accommodative and we're going to hold short term interest rates at zero. But you're hearing that 10 year, which is that middle piece of of the curve is rising, it kind of gives you uh, a slope, a line sloping from down to the left, up to the right. So if you drew your finger from your from the left and going up, that's a steepening yield curve. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. So generally, when you see that happening, there's a, a larger difference between what people demand on interest rates for the longer term treasury bonds, which are you know still the safest investment in the U.S. outside of, you know, trying to put your money in a safe or a, under your mattress or in the bank, which we can talk about. There's risk to that, too. Um, but generally, when you see a, the yield curve steepening, and I know I'm using technical terms, but it's important to understand it, a steepening, meaning that line is going up and to the right faster or further versus flat, 
or or declining, um, that that usually is that usually happens right before a period of economic expansion. So you know what that's saying is investors are saying the central bank, which is the Fed for the U.S., is going to be forced to raise rates to you know to try to control inflation, which is a word that's been talked about a lot you know recently as well. So it's not a bad thing per se. It usually means that we are early stage economic expansion, which there's other things that's happening in the markets. We've talked about briefly in previous shows. I'll just say it and then but not explain it. Um, you know, small companies, small cap stocks and value based companies are doing well and have been since November. That's also a generally another good sign of economic expansion. So now you have like three independent indicators, small cap stocks doing well, value stocks are doing well, uh, steep yield curve. That generally tells us those are good telltale signs of early economic expansion, which is good, right? We want that. We And that's and it doesn't necessarily take a, a rocket scientist to figure out, hey, we just came out of a recession. Generally, when you come out of a recession, the next thing that happens is expansion and then the cycle goes up and then it peaks and it'll come back down and then it'll go up and then down. It's the ebb and flow of life. And so we are coming out of the bottom, we're rounding the bottom out and, you know, and moving into to economic expansion, which is, which is good. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Now, rates have been, interest rates have been super, super low for a long time. And I think we have, as, as, you know, as Americans have gotten accustomed to, you know, inexpensive money. So if you have to go borrow for the house, right, this is why houses are, the housing market's booming too. Um, if you have to go borrow for a house, you get a low interest rate. It's a whole lot better than a higher interest rate because you're saving money each month on your on your house note. So that will end at some point. That doesn't mean that interest, I don't think that, you know, mortgage rates are going to go to, you know, eight, nine or 10%. But if they level back out at a, you know, five or six percent um, range. That's still a healthy range. We've just been so accustomed to, you know, hey, go get a fifteen-year mortgage at two point five or two point seven five. That's not, that's not even reality. But hey, take advantage of it, you know, if you can. So I'll stop and and let. I know I talked a lot. I'll I'll let you digest and ask some questions too, so I don't end up going down a ton of of rabbit trails. But it's a good thing. But it does rising interest rates do also cause you know, you and I to slow down on spending too. So, yeah, it's it's more complicated than I can even get into. It's why the, the makeup <laughs> the makeup of this show is that I'm the I'm the resident idiot who's just trying to learn something, and you're the expert who's telling people uh, about finances. And, it, and I think sometimes, as long as I stay in my lane, everything's good. It's uh, <laughs> well, so we'll go to caveman, small cap stock, value stock, steep yield curve, good. Good for economy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the other topic that's out there, it's, it's we've, you and I in the last year have talked a lot of pandemic stuff. This is yep. about the finances of pandemic. I'm curious to get your thoughts. Tate Reeves yesterday had a very lengthy press conference. I watched a good bit of it, believe it or not. Uh, and at about the 43-minute mark, Tate Reeves had about a six-minute answer to a question about loosening restrictions in the wake of declining uh, virus numbers, in the wake of increasing vaccination numbers. He basically said this, Martin, that when this current executive order expires on March the 2nd or 3rd, I can't remember the exact date, so 
people who are detail-oriented, I apologize. But it's one or the other. Next week. When it expires next week, that the new executive order is going to look much different. He's going to uh, lower restrictions, I think quite a bit. Um, For my field, there's a lot of talk about, you know, what does it mean for uh, attendance at at athletics contests and things like that. I think it's going to go from 25% to 50% pending SEC approval. But regardless, I don't want to get down that rabbit hole here. Um, what do you anticipate that means for spending, for markets, for jobs, for the economy, for people's money, for optimism, for that, that type of thing? Because the other part of what he said, the other part of what he said, and I'm, I was reading between some lines here. The first part, he basically just said it outright. The other part of what he said was we're moving into a direction of, of getting wide open again. Um, you know, this is this is. He basically said that the vaccine's been available to the the most at risk now for a while, and many yep. many of them have gotten vaccinated. He talked about how here in the next few days, there's going to be the vaccinations are going to open up to an, an even uh, less at risk portion of the of the populace in Mississippi, and that's a good thing. And he basically said that it you know the goal of the state cannot be to prevent anyone from getting COVID. The goal of the state has to be, you know, that, that if anybody gets sick, they can be treated. That, In other words, the hospitals can't be overrun. The medical systems can't be overrun. And it appears at this point that they're not at all. So as we get to that place with the vaccine being out, I think it's is it Johnson & Johnson's vaccine could get approved by Sunday. That thing could be going into people's arms as early as Monday or Tuesday of next week. What what does that mean from a, a market standpoint? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, man, I do think that there has been so much pent up demand, um, you know, even from the people that I'm talking to that are, you know, uh, my, some of our vendors that are scattered all across the country, especially in, in areas that have been uh, a lot more, um, let's just say draconian with their lockdown measures. Um, they are so eager to get out and get moving. And some of them, um, you know, that I've, that I've talked to, and these are people that are, you know, that are upper middle class, very good incomes, um, you know, canceled their, all their vacations. I think you're going to see, you know, a, 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 it be like a, a dam opening up and water flowing out of, of people trying to, to have some, some bit of normalcy, which will be good for, and that was what we've been saying all along too, Neil, is that, you know, there's been this damming up of, of demand and, you know, people haven't had outlets to spend. So they've done things like home improvements or, you know, but there's only so many home improvements you're going to do at your house. You know, the kids haven't been on vacation. Um, the, the wife and husband, you know, want date night again. And, and I mean, I'm talking about in the areas that have you know, Mississippi, we've, I feel like we've actually been a, a lot more, um, accommodative to people getting moving around and having some sort of sort of normalcy than, you know, than your places like New York, New Jersey, you know, California, for God's sake, still Disneyland is still closed. Disney World has been operating for almost a year on the other side of the country. And you can't and and there haven't been any of these crazy outbreaks from, you know, that have gone back to trace back to Disney World. So it's like, uh, you know, I think the pendulum definitely swung a little too far and some more of our um, more left-leaning states, uh, but I think the dam will break, and and demand will will uh, <clears throat> will be 
will be will be pretty high, which we'll also see. You know, that's I think you're starting to see. That's why inflation is starting to kick up kick kick up a little bit. Is there is a lot of pin up demand, and that's good. That's good for our economy. It's you know it's good for the the work the industries that have been you know hanging on by a thread. <clears throat> you know, and some of them haven't made it. Some of them have have shut down. Um, but you know, as far as is pulling it back to to Mississippi. Um, you know, I think that that's a, I think going ahead and getting totally reopened is a good thing. And I feel like, you know, if you look at our numbers, that's another thing we've done a really good job of is, is, uh, getting shots in the arms of people. Um, you know, and then I think it was CNBC I was listening to the other day in the morning and, uh, they were saying, and it was, I'm almost positive because I'm pretty sure it came out of Kramer's mouth and he's crazy and crazy stuff comes out of his mouth too. But, you know, he said for all intents and purposes, pandemic should be declared over by the end of April. Um, and if that's the case, there is absolutely no reason that we shouldn't be back to, you know, life as we knew it, you know, prior to. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be things that are going to stick around and change because there's there's been some things I've enjoyed that have um, come from, from the pandemic. Uh, I don't think that the option of virtual meetings will go away. Uh, I certainly want face-to-face meetings back. Conferences suck virtually, and I wouldn't pay a dime to go to a, a virtual conference. Um, but <clears throat> you know, I think life will get back to normal. And and you know, you got to think when a year ago, when when we were talking about this, we were talking about um, you know we had the strongest U.S. consumer uh, in history coming into the pandemic, and you know all of the money we've pumped in, and there's supposed to be more stimulus being pumped in. Um, you know, has really has really probably made the U.S. consumer, you know, even stronger. A lot of people have saved that, uh, you know, the stimulus stuff. And businesses have, you know, more cash in their bank accounts because of PPP and other stimulus as well. So, I, I, you know, and I realize there's some that didn't make it. So I'm not, that's not a blanket, you know, saying that you know, everyone is in great shape. There are, there, are, there are companies that hurt. I mean, and man, I know for you it was uh, touch and go with, was there going to, were you going to have a viable business with if sports got shut down? But I just don't see any reason why we don't, when August rolls around, I just don't see any reason why we aren't at a hundred percent capacity in football stadiums. And there may be people that still choose not to go, but, um, I mean, I don't, I don't see why we wouldn't be, but, but I, but I might be wrong, but for, from an economic standpoint, man, I, I just got to think that that's really, really positive for the economy. Uh, I just don't see any way that it's not positive for the economy. No, I, I do think that's where we're headed. I think, I think, um, I'll be honest. I think sometime around April 1st, there's going to be a real push by people to say, Hey, let's, let's go. Yeah. Let's, let's declare go. this thing done. Let's declare this thing done. It's one of the reasons in Oxford, you know, we have the double decker festival every April and it's already, yeah, been, it's already huge been, festival. It's already been canceled. And I thought, why? Why did Jeez, you, man. I, I know it's a, it's one of the things that interests me about some of these different towns. You know, different towns are, I mean, there's no other way to say this. So people get offended by this, but more liberal, more conservative, whatever. Yeah, and, and, and that's and, okay. I mean, that's true. I mean, Jackson is run. Jackson is run by, you know, Democratic uh, leaders. It's they're they're left leaning. That's true. And Oxford's kind of down the middle from a leadership standpoint, and it's really close. Yeah. And there's a lot of there's a lot of people on the square, especially that 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 are very covid paranoid and they don't want to open up back up and yet you have 
you've you've got the month of April where you've got kids bring kids have college visits and um, you have um, spring football games. You have baseball season, of course. Ole Miss, Mississippi State are both top five in the country yeah. in, in baseball. Awesome, man. It's you awesome. know, and, and and not to get into the sports part of it, but right. for, forget the. Forget who's better, Ole Miss or State or whatever, blah, blah, who cares? We'll, we'll tell me, I know people care, but we'll talk about that another time. The one thing that's not debatable is that these weekends when there's home baseball series in Oxford or in Starkville, people come spend money. Yeah, they do. And so it is, it is imperative at some point financially that you open the stadiums up. I, and I do think they're getting opened to 50% starting next week. But I think it's imperative after that that you open them up and – it's interesting. I, I watch this on on Twitter kind of every day. Just yesterday, both LSU and University of Indiana put out tweets that said, "Hey, registration is is happening for the fall semester." And just so you know, and I'm paraphrasing, it's going to be back to it's going to look like fall of 2019 in person courses, all of those things. I thought, you know, we're to a point where. You, you, people are going to have to start declaring that. And yep. it, there, there's always this pushback when you do it, and you will be attacked. Trust me. Ask me how I know. Um, I, I've got the emails to prove it. You're going to be attacked when you say that, but from an economic standpoint, this is a show about money, from an economic standpoint, I don't think there's much room for ambiguity anymore. I think people have to start saying, hey, look, the, 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 the different vaccines are out there. Um, you can... You can get protected. The vaccines are 97, 98, 99% effective, which is, yep. you know, I mean. Awesome. It's great. You know, there's no such thing as 100. There's no 100% you're safe from everything. It just doesn't work like that. Right. Um, unfortunately. I, I do think there's pressure on people to come out and say, hey, we're going to do this. And, and if I'm these institutions in Mississippi, Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Southern Miss and schools like that, I'm, I'm – I'm coming out and saying these things right now that, hey, w- the fall is going to look it's going to look like the fall of 2019. We're going to be open. We're going to open, what do they call it at Mississippi State, the tailgate area? Um, uh, the, the junction. junction. Yeah, we're going to exactly. open the junction. We're going to open the grove. Obviously, there are going to be people that aren't going to be comfortable with that, and that's cool. Sure. No, no one, yeah, let, let them make their decision. Yeah, no, no one's Freedom gonna, of decision, man. Of course, but I, I do think from an economic standpoint, it's, it's time to declare that you're going to open up. Yeah, and you know, and even, and I'm not going to get on a soapbox, Neil, because I think you and I stand on probably the same soapbox, but, um, and then we're just like preaching to the choir to each other. But even for Double Decker, I would say, you know, like, hey, open up. Let double decker happen, and if there are places on the square that are that are still scared and say, "Hey, man, I'm just, I'm not going to open my business because of, you know, I'm scared of of COVID," then okay, that's fine. You have every right to keep your business closed. So keep your business closed. But the people that do want to open their business to, you know, to feed the people at double the participants at double decker to, you know. Uh, to sell their clothes, to sell their trinkets, to sell their books, to do whatever, give them that opportunity. And if someone says, hey, I'm not comfortable with people in my store, fine. You know what? This is America. You have every right to keep your store closed. Of course. Keep it closed. I'm, I'm always amazed at that. And it's, um, I, I don't want to get on a soapbox either because it, ups, <laughs> it upsets people. Yet I'll be honest, when I do kind of get on a soapbox, I get, I get two types of feedback. One tells me I'm an idiot and the other says thank you. So we're we're very yeah. we're very divided. I'm a grateful idiot. But 
But I'm always surprised at people used to call it the cult of COVID. And I think it's the church of COVID. I don't think it's the cult of COVID. I think it's the church of COVID. I think there's a certain degree of, there's a comfort in being told, hey, here, here's here's where we are, and here's what we have to do, and and at for those people, and I'm not criticizing, I'm, no, I'm, I'm truly not, but for those people, there has to become an understanding that they're, it's going to take them a lot longer to be comfortable than it's going to take other people, and it just is, and so you know, at some point though, you can't. You, you, you can't bow to the one or two or three percent at the risk of the ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine percent. Yeah, and I mean and that's that's kind of why I was saying my stand is is let allow 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 things to resume. And then if people are still nervous and say, Hey, I'm not comfortable with this at all, then we totally understand and we are not forcing you to open your store or open your business or you know, put your family at risk or danger. Just don't don't open the place. That's your prerogative. The other thing that bothers me behind it is if you're a business and you have a going concern, meaning that, you know, you have a viable business that's going to make money long term, uh, keeping your doors closed out of fear and and owning a business and needing it to operate are those those paths don't even jive with each other. So it's really it's and I get it. There is an emotional and there's a there's a hey, I don't want to. I'm scared of this and I don't want to open my business. But then when your business goes belly up, you do have to also understand that that was a choice. That was a decision. You made a decision for the safety of, you know, your staff and your family or whatever. And that decision was to allow your business to close. Yeah. What I was going to say was there's people out there that go, well, you know, we've, we've seen the virus die off or not decline, not die off, die off uh, would, would be great, but we've seen it decline a couple of times and, Right. People got lax and then it exploded again. And my response to that is, but at n- number one, I think it's different now. But number two, and the part that can't be denied, is there's a vaccine now. Yeah. In fact, well, I mean, there dude, are three I'm vaccines getting, now. Jen and I are getting our vaccine, our shots, our first shots next Friday. Um, and we've both had it, but, you know, hey, I'm going to do my part, man. I'm going to do my part to make sure that, that – uh, you know, we did our part in the beginning and we didn't go anywhere. Now I'm going to do my part. I'm going to get a shot in my arm and, and um, so that I can, you know, be a part of the solution for us getting opened again. Because, and I'm, and I, and I am not minimizing the Rona at all because I've had close uh, friends who have had, you know, their dads and their moms have died from this dude. So, like, I get it. I mean, and even a guy, he was my manager and he was a young guy. I mean, he was in his 50s and he had some, he had some issues. And, you know, he died of it. So I'm not I'm not saying at all that this isn't real at all. But, hey, there is this there is a solution for it. But economic death is is just as painful. Probably. No, I'm just gonna say it's just as painful, you know, as as deaths that are being taken from COVID because it affects entire families in really drastic ways, too. So, um, I mean, it's I don't know, man, it's uh, it's a double edged sword. You know what, Martin? I choose to be optimistic right now, believe it or not. And. Yeah, me too, man. I uh, I think what's I'm, coming. I'm optimistic. I think what's coming, and I don't think it's coming in the next two or three weeks. And uh, you know, I, I there are people that 
obviously here want to see 100% full baseball stadiums. And for the record, I would like to see that. I would think I think it would be awesome. It would be uplifting. I'm, I'm not optimistic in that regard. But I do think it's coming in the fall, and I think it's going to be obvious in the summer that that's where we're headed. And I think you're going to see people get out and essentially celebrate. I, I do. I, I think I will. Yeah, I think there's going to be more travel. I think people are going to go places and do things yeah. and get out and go to restaurants and go to bars and go get a slice of pizza and a beer just for the sheer hell of it. And because you can, because you can, and because you, it feels good and you want to. And and uh, I think this fall is going to be a boom. Um, I do. I think it's going to be crazy here in Oxford, and and um, just because it's going to be back and football is going to be pretty good and. All of those things, and I think it's going to be kind of nutty, and it's going to be in a good way. So I choose to be optimistic about it. We've been through something that we're going to be talking about for the rest of our lives. I've told my kids, as we start to conclude, I've told my kids that their their grandkids are going to be coming to them and interviewing them about this for papers for school. Tell me about 2020. And I'm like, so try to remember some of this because you're going to be doing a term paper on it. and. <laughs> 50 years and they look at you like you're insane I'm like well you are you know I mean it's like you know you we go to you know my my kids went to my parents and said tell me about the Kennedy assassination you know and 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 this is this is this is 2020 and they're gonna be talking about it for a long time but um I'm glad man I think we're gonna have there's gonna there's there's BR and AR right uh before Rona and and after Rona and we have we had a loss we're gonna have a loss 18 months um you know of people's lives yeah no question. All right. Well, I know you got stuff to do. I uh, appreciate your time today. Appreciate yeah, everybody man, out there. For, I enjoyed it. Appreciate everybody out there listening as well. We'll be back next week with another edition of Mind on My Money presented by Pinnacle Trust. Don't forget, it's pintrust.com, P-I-N-N trust.com. Get in touch with the people there at Pinnacle Trust. Tell them that you heard about it on this podcast or on any of the MPW Digital Network of Podcasts. You get 10% off your first year's fees. So until next time, for Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready. Talk to you next. Bye.